Welcome to A Poem A Day Keeps the Darkness at Bay. My name is Jensen, and today I'll be reading Carl Shapiro. First, I'd like to excuse myself for my absence lately. I had a small surgery that took me off course, and I hadn't intended to be away quite this long. I didn't open with a poem because the piece I'm reading today is a bit unique. First, a little about the author. Carl Shapiro was born November 10, 1913, in Baltimore, Maryland, and died May 14, 2000, in New York City. He attended University of Virginia and wrote about the experience in an excellent poem titled University. I may read this one another day, but spoiler alert, he was not fond of the school and did not return after his military service during World War II. He wrote a great deal of poetry while in the service and stationed in New Guinea. His collection, V Letter and Other Poems, written during this period, won the Pulitzer in 1945. He was Poet Laureate from 1946 to 1947. Shapiro's poetry is fun to read as he's very modern, and I don't mean that in the literary or artistic sense of the word. I don't mean the movement. He had a deep understanding of meter and rhyme and the poetic traditions that came before him, but he applied the knowledge and skill to writing about the world around him, and since he wasn't living in the 18th or 19th century, that world's a lot more like the one we inhabit. Because of this, it's easy to engage with Shapiro's poetry. Today, I'll be reading the foreword to Shapiro's Essay on Rhyme, which is an essay written in verse about poetics. Thanks for listening. This is a tract on the treble confusion in modern rhyme. The premise that our verse is in decline has not, I am convinced, been honestly attacked or well defended. Critics in particular have minced matters by acquiring all the authority to talk. I ask you not to balk at my presumption, but with a certain reasonable kindness toward the subject to attempt this study. I think it is high time that everybody with a true love of rhyme assert his views. In the mid-century of our art, we leave the park behind and rest beside the zoo of rarities. Very fortunate for us that monsters of their own peculiarities perish. Yet they remain. As visitors, it is our privilege to stare at the adept keepers and the odd assortment of the kept. Some chimeras are real, some counterfeit. White unicorns are drinking from the brook. Bellowing from its cages, the anthropophagus rushes at us. These creatures certainly deserve the status of actualities, but look, what is that perpendicular snake, that woman with hot eyes gleaming in her viscera? The question is one of language. No conception too far removed from literal position can keep its body. Ideas are no more words than phoenixes are birds. The metaphysician deals with ideas as words, the poet with things. For in the poet's mind, the phoenix sings. Now whether the egg of modern criticism precedes the squawking chicken of semantics is a scholar's quiz. But insofar as meaning has tried to adopt poetics, the plot thickens. But can the science of definition relate to poetry, even obliquely? To science belongs the isolation of knowledge, to art belongs the isolation of beauty. Nor is it likely that even in this aviary can we mate two creatures of such opposite feather. The owl has many thoughts, the woodlark only songs. Perhaps Lucretius felt that through the means of language highly charged, more could be said of his philosophy than prose could prove. His form is rare, but not considered specious. Horace and Pope, this pair may be adduced as poets who argued in the voice of rhyme and argued well. But poets preferred a roost in arbors rather than the tree of knowledge. That bard expelled from Socrates' Republic is held sweet to the world, for understand that dialectic is the foe of poetry. If, then, I am accused of paradox and forcing argument to the cast of rhyme, my only answer is that criticism has charted poetry into dangerous narrows and dashed its own brains upon the rocks of absolute meaning. 
that this essay is given in protest to the semantic muse, a pharos perhaps to dialectics, but to poetry, a siren of the Homeric cut. To use language emotionally and not as number is my intention. My hope is to infuse criticism with pleasure, sense with clarity. One verse of Shakespeare's is a matter for a Vatican of wonder and research. I cannot take the scholar's perch or view the present field like critics ex cathedra. My aim is to suggest, not to pronounce, sentence or trounce the brothers of my trade. My wish is but to call a rose a rose and not a trope. My only rationale to answer homemade questions and not those, but by poetics old and new. I trust I have not bit off more than I can chew. This essay deals with three major confusions, in prosody, in language, and in belief, each part discussing five aspects of rhyme as follows. Under prosody, the first, its English application, second, three important studies, its forms and chaos third, its metric fourth and fifth and last its cults, next under language, first its idiom, general and personal, second, personality and style, its grammar third, rhetoric fourth, and fifth, translations and false dialects. Finally, under confusion in belief, these headings, first the failure in belief, second the new and substitute beliefs, personal systems third, our dialectic and criticism fourth, and fifth and last the dead hand and exhaustion of our own rhyme. A play my day keeps the darkness at bay. A play my day keeps the darkness at bay.